Happy New Year, everyone. I'm Richard Brown, Chairman and CEO of JMBA Financial Advisors in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We're recording this discussion on January 12th, 2022. Today, we're taking a look back at 2021 and how what we learned from it could shape how we approach the markets this year. I'm with three senior members of our investment committee, Michael Bellotta and John Foster, both senior advisors and investment strategists, along with David Webb, JMBA's Director of Investment Management. Thanks for joining me today. I always enjoy our discussions. Hey, good morning, Richard. Thank you. Yeah, Happy New Year, Richard, and happy to be here. Thanks, Richard. Happy New Year to you. Great to see you guys. All right, Michael, we'll start with you. Despite very little good news coming out of bonds last year, the global stock market rose more than 18% in 2021, and most diversified portfolios produced attractive total returns. As you look back on the year, what surprised you most about 2021? Yeah, thank you, Richard. Uh, Boy, I'll tell you, 2020 and 2021 have sure been uh, some years for the ages, I'll say. And there's a number of things I think that probably surprise a lot of people. But with respect to what we're watching in the economy and the financial markets, I think two things really come to mind. The first is the overall resiliency in the equity markets in the face of a lot of different dynamic activities and uncertainty throughout the year. You know, if you'll remember back, and I had to make sure on the calendar that this is still the, the right thing. Just a year ago, we had the change in leadership. Uh, we had the riots at the Capitol building, which we saw on, on TV a couple of days ago, uh, the one-year anniversary. We had throughout the year the ongoing stopping and starting of activity in the environment, first just due to COVID in general coming into the year. Then we had the emergence of the Delta variant. And then now, uh, unfortunately, the, the widespreading Omicron variant. And yet throughout the year, there was a, a strong resiliency, if you will, of stock prices to really hold up in the face of a lot of that uncertainty. Now, there's a few reasons for that. Uh, but a couple of the other things that really caught us by surprise, I guess, is that the inflation factor, uh, the transition of inflation from being what was initially thought as a transitory environment uh, in the spring and summer became really anything but, or depending on what your definition of transitory is, it has proven to be a little bit higher and stickier than what a lot of people anticipated it would be coming into the year. And hot off the presses this morning, we get a, uh, a CPI read of 7% for headline inflation and core CPI of 5.5%. Uh, that's the eighth straight month over 5% and the third straight month of inflation over 6%. So clearly we're we're feeling the inflationary pressures from a number of angles, uh, supply chain bottlenecks, uh, inability to staff appropriately, as we all know, who hasn't gone into a restaurant and had you know, open tables there and, and they can't seat you because they have the table, but they don't have anybody to staff it. Uh, flight cancellations all over. So I think in, in all areas, we probably experience in one way or another this, this fact. What was consistent in all of this, though, is the Fed maintaining their accommodative stance. And as the year went on and inflation became, you know, what was thought more to be not transitory anymore, but maybe an intermediate term dynamic, the Fed started to change course and taper their bond purchases. 
not only announce the tapering, but then you know, announce the speed up of the tapering and then also signal to the markets that they expect to raise interest rates here in 2022 at some point, but importantly, all being data dependent. All right. So through all of that, the uh, Richard mentioned that the global stock market's up 18 percent. The S&P had 70 different highs during the year and a final price gain of 27 percent for the year. I mean, just nothing short of amazing when you think about it. It was the third year in a row of market gains over 10%. And that was the, the first time that that's been done since 2012 and 2014. And probably lastly, and this is even you know more amazing yet, is all 11 sectors of the S&P 500 posted double digit returns for the first time since 1995. So, again, just add that to the list of the the surprising factors during the year, one that we will certainly take and uh, we're positioned to to take advantage of. But, again, nothing short of an amazing time frame that we've been in here in, in 2020 and on here into 2022. So true, Michael. These are really good points and really emphasize what a unique year it was. David, With that in mind, if we dig deeper in specific investments, what did a little better than expected or vice versa? Sure, Richard. I I think there's a a few things that that come to mind. If we think about 2020 overall, there were a couple sectors that really just were crushed and real estate and energy were two areas that had been beaten down. And so we had been adding to commodity producers and we specifically established a new position in real estate towards the end of last year. Both of those areas did especially well throughout the year. So while we anticipated a good year, um, they did far better than expected. And in hindsight, as I reflect on it, I think one of the unique things about both sectors is um, that they have the fewest employees per dollar of sales in both real estate and energy. And so in a year where wage inflation kept building and building and building, those were two areas that kind of surprised us a bit more to the upside than what we had originally expected. Um, uh, on the flip side, you know, there were other inflation hedges that didn't do so well. So gold was one interesting area to think about a little bit. It was off about 3 to 4% throughout the year. Um, I, I think given just the geopolitical tensions out there, um, you know, and, and the fact that inflation was running rampant, one would have might expected gold to do a bit better. Um, and I think what maybe hurt that a bit on the margin was the dollar strengthened throughout the year cryptocurrencies captured some of the attention that maybe would have otherwise spilled into gold. So that was one inflation hedge that maybe didn't quite perform the way one would have thought. And then I think on a broader level, you know, value stocks, we had pivoted to value stocks some time ago in terms of wanting to be overweight. Um, Those did incredibly well in the small and mid cap sectors. In the large cap sectors, which are dominated by a lot of the growthier technology names like Apple and Amazon, um, Value and growth were more neck and neck throughout the year. Growth still beat value. Um, But that would have been one area, just given the strength of the economy, given the strength of the market, one would have expected, you know, smaller companies, more value-oriented companies, cyclical companies that tend to be more dominated in international benchmarks to have done a bit better. And while they turned in a very solid year with absolute gains in the double digits across the board, Um, They didn't keep up with the U.S. market and some of the larger cap names in particular. Thanks, David. John, our discipline process looks to make ongoing adjustments to the portfolio throughout the entire year. But for many individuals and households, 
a new year presents an opportunity to do things differently. So I have to ask, given that we're starting a fresh year, how would you describe the current positioning of our portfolios? Yeah, thanks, Richard. That's a good question. Yeah. Anytime the calendar tr- turns, it always seems to be on all investors' mind is what what's the positioning going to look like for the year ahead? A lot of the themes, though, that we've been positioned for in 2021, we kind of remain positioned that same way, at least entering 2022. Uh, we're starting the year overweight stocks. And within stocks, we're really trying to stay away from some of those frothier areas of the market, uh, like technology, where valuations maybe have gotten a little bit stretched, and instead focusing on more value-oriented companies with high cash flow and good dividend growers. Uh, we just think that that quality factor is really going to benefit within stocks. We also like inflation benefactors, as David had mentioned. Uh, late in 2020, we initiated a position in real estate. Uh, we've been holding some uh, exposure to commodity producers as well as commodities like gold. And we're doing these overweights really at the expense of bonds. You know, interest rates remain near 200-year lows. Uh, the 10-year Treasury has ticked up to begin this year, but still only offering a 1.7% yield to tie your money up for 10 years fully taxable. We just don't think that's going to get clients where they need to go. So we've been underweight bonds, overweight stocks, and overweight inflation benefactors. You know, one thing that I'll mention with respect to valuation is absolute valuation when looked at in a vacuum can be a very good indicator of long-term returns. In fact, if you look at valuation, it's probably the most important factor of long-term returns, but it's actually a very poor predictor of short-term. And that was proven again in 2021 because going into the year, and again, for a variety of reasons, uh, stocks in general were, were pretty overvalued in absolute terms Yet relative to other things, they were still, you know, a pretty good risk return trade off. So I'll just caution against using valuation as the only indicator for thinking what a market should do over the next 12 months. But when you look out over three, five and 10 years, that's probably one of the most important factors. And maybe I'll just chime in with um, something as investors take stock of their portfolio entering into a new year. Um, there's an old adage that I, I like, and I scribbled it down here. If you, if you feel good about every part of your portfolio, you're not diversified. So while it might be great to, to you know, open up your statements and see that everything was up, um, really, that's a rear view looking measure. And we need to think about what's going to work over the next 10 years. And in many cases, it's those things that maybe have been at a relative disadvantage, but are still putting up good earnings growth and companies that have solid balance sheets. And so we're trying to keep our eye on the horizon um, while navigating some of the short-term volatility. Uh, John mentioned earnings growth uh, a minute ago. And one of the things that I'll point out is that, you know, at the end of the day, people buy stocks for their future earnings growth and the cash flows that they'll you know earn year over year. And 2021 was lesson A and why it's all about earnings, earnings, earnings. You know, going into the year, it was already expected that corporate earnings would grow by about 20 to 25 percent, which is an enormous number by itself when historically it's been around 5 percent. And in turn, once all the numbers are going to be tabulated here, it's thought that we'll come in at over twice that. 
So when you look at that by itself, it's another you know pretty easy indicator to say that stock should have probably had a good year in an environment where you exceed expectations by that much. Yeah, Mike, it is about earnings. And I think this year investors really should, one, probably mute their expectations a little bit uh, because right now in the U.S. we're looking for earnings growth in the high single digits, uh, so a fraction of what they were last year. And then, two, last year, you know, the, the Fed really had their finger on the scale, um, you know, as it relates to money printing, low interest rates, and, and overall monetary policy. And because of inflation, they're moving faster now to remove that accommodation. Uh, so without that same level of earnings growth and Fed accommodation, I really think investors, uh, one, should look for a little bit lower return, but then two, a little bit more volatility. Uh, so a, a bit more uh, buckling up for, for what might be uh, a little bit of rough riding ahead for equities. Uh, we still expect the year to be higher uh, due to low rates and, and rising profits, but just not that same you know, kind of straight up behavior that we've seen really off of the 2000 lows. As always, great conversation and perspective, John, Mike, David, thank you so much. 2022, here we come. Thank you all very much for listening today. I hope you will visit jmba.com and tune into our other videos and podcasts where we cover both investment and financial life planning topics. Thank you for your continued trust in JMBA, not only as your financial advisor, but also your advocate. Please reach out if you need anything at all. You can find our contact information at jmba.com.